There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, we have another fireside chat from Insight Group's Brand Marketing Summit in Brooklyn, New York, earlier this year. This chats with Christy Argelon, Senior Vice President of Media Guest Engagement and Measurement at Target. Since joining in July of 2014, she spearheaded Target's enterprise media strategy, including communication strategy, all digital and traditional media channels, including guest engagement, which includes their organic, social, and communities. She leads the enterprise strategic partnerships with key media companies like Google, Facebook, Pinterest, and NBC Universal, and their agency partners, Mother, Deutsch LA, Group M's Essence, and many more others. Christy shares a few videos in this segment, and I've linked to as many as I could find in public domain in the show notes. Now, this interview, the audio actually picks up a little late, and I've just asked Christy this question. Target's a massive force in American shopping, and you serve many different generations. How are you thinking about these generations and their differences? Here's Christy to explain. We, uh, as we got smarter about all of the different people that were shopping our stores, I think that we became just more specific around segmentation and audiences and things like that. But we do find that there are big points in time that really define large groups of audiences. So we have kind of evolved from 
Gen X to millennial was the hot word for a very long time. And then we're, you know, so we take kind of those big broad groups. And as we get to know them better, we actually define them in a different way so that we can be more relevant to them. But when you get to new generations like Gen Z, that's where we kind of start really broadly to just understand what's the context in which these groups of consumers kind of form what their value systems are and how they're going to choose the brands that they commit to. And so we start with the, the real broad generational descriptions of them and just get to know them on a, a deeper and deeper basis. And if you think about especially younger millennials and Gen Z in particular, I mean, they have grown up in an environment unlike any other environment that generations before had experienced. And so we find, especially because of the influence of social media, that this is a group of consumers that has seen the world from a very young age, really viewed themselves as part of a global community, wasn't going to be told which brands to believe in. They were going to choose which brands really reflected their ethos and then make their selection that way. And so as a smart marketing organization, I guess, uh, we really started to think about, well, how do we really come to understand this generation in a different way than ever before? And so one of the things that we've done is we've actually pulled Gen Z in to help us and have engaged them in a way that we haven't engaged our guests ever before. And one of the things that we did, the first steps we took to really understand Gen Z was we created this event in Minneapolis that we called CrushCon. And it was really bringing representatives of Gen Z from all across the country, not just the coasts, but really the middle of the country, the south of the country, and both coasts. Uh, and really brought them together and engaged them in a really interesting way. And we actually have a video kind of recap of what CrushCon was. When I was about 13 or 14, I wanted to buy myself a Christmas present. I went on Target and I bought my first pair of roller skates. <laughs> Skating is kind of a metaphor for me because it's like everyone's afraid to fall, but what if you don't? So this group is, you know, they range from having a real broad appeal, already being an established influencer, to being kind of burgeoning influencers. And we started to give them the forum to start to really share their voice with the world in a really interesting, compelling way. And we actually took some of the imagery that came out of CrushCon, and you'll start to see it in some of the ads that we're running right now. And even we're giving them these assets to use in their own social posts. And so there's this real nice sharing that's going on right now on at Target Tag that is really the conversation in the community that we're building with them. Right. Well, them taking over a store like that was pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's too. fun, isn't it? <laughs> right. 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 Well, what's different about this generation's Gen Z? There's uh, the stats on them are really unbelievable. They're more culturally diverse, more economically diverse, more geographically diverse, more technologically diverse than any generation that has come before. They will represent 40% of the global consumer base by 2020. So, and it is about 2019. So that's a year and a month away from now. And they're over $40 billion in buying power in the U.S. So it's a, uh, they're an incredibly important consumer group for us, but they're also very 
very different from any group that we've marketed to before. So if we don't understand them now, before they really grow up in their importance, we will be irrelevant and we won't really be serving them and providing them the kinds of good and services that they're looking for if we're not keeping in touch with them. Well, Howard talked about them. You brought them in. You're co-creating with them. How is that going to manifest itself out into your marketing? and yeah. where you actually market to the masses. Yeah, we're um, in a lot. So not only in our marketing, but also as how we're showing up as a retailer. So we've just recently launched a handful of brands that were developed with them and specifically for them, not just this group of influencers, but with Gen Z overall. We kind of brought them in to help us kind of co-design. So we have Heyday, which is an electronics brand, and then Original Use and Wild Fable are two of the the apparel brands that we just recently launched. So as a retailer, we're offering more products for them, things that they can really relate to. When we talk to them, they ask, when we ask them what does Target stand for, were their mother's brand? So we knew we had to do, we better do something fast. And so, you know, so we we very specifically have spent time really developing new products for that. From a marketing perspective, what you'll see is that for a very long time, the brand has had almost very similar visual standards. You know, this poppy, bright colors, simple imagery. We're driven more by music than we are anything else. What we're finding is that we had to find a way to craft communications that really resonated in a different way. So there's a little bit, it's a little bit more raw. It's a little bit more authentic because they don't want brands that put on this really slick facade. They want brands that they can really identify with and that feel more transparent. So when you look at kind of the imagery of what we put out there, what we use as marketing assets, creative assets for other groups within our audiences, you know, broader segments, the imagery that we use for Target Tag in particular is much more authentic looking. And this is kind of a nice side-by-side comparison with the Target Tag, which is, again, influencer created content versus some of the slicker kind of um, staged. Yeah, the more staged imagery. Yeah, Yeah, very much so. Interesting. So it is a lot less polished, a little bit more authenticity. Raw, I think, is another word you use. How does that come together? You know, uh, what is it helping you do? Yeah, it's what it's helping us do is drive relevance. So we have a lot of different ways that we measure the health of our business. We are always monitoring short-term sales and did this ad create this kind of reaction in the marketplace and did the, you know, did we sell something? But brand relevance is an especially uh, complicated metric to be able to watch over time. And we know that if we don't understand how to really resonate with this generation, our brand relevance will decline at a real rapid rate. So we've been spending a lot of time really understanding how we drive brand relevance, especially with this group, by changing the way that we go to market. And I think we have a video of some of the Gen Z, kind of a Gen Z video that we've put out into the world as well to give you a sample of what that looks like. So that looks very different from the television advertising that you see even today from Target. And the idea here is different audiences want to 
hear things from us in different ways. And so we've gone much grittier. That big smiley face that you saw at the end, that was actually some of the, that was one of the creative ideas. And it's one of the signatures of one of the influencers that we met at CrushCon. And so we've kind of taken that and pulled it all the way through. And those were two of our apparel brands and our electronics brand that were integrated completely into that story without going, here's heyday, look at all the stuff we have. (laughs) We're just showing how all of those products are really relevant in their lives today. Not to mention the main influence that you're there. I mean, his smile is infectious. It is. Every time I watch it, I just want to smile like he is. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a really different look for you. How does it balance against your traditional, you know, consumer? Yeah, is from my perspective, it's the clearest example of how we're actually kind of customizing the way that we think about marketing, depending on who the audience is that we're going after. It's most obvious with this group because the realness of the communication is a requirement. Where you'll see more subtle shifts are even some of the really broad campaigns that we do We call it target style, but this is kind of the poppy kind of advertising marketing that we do that has, again, the big bright colors and all of that other stuff. What we did to modernize that is we started to look at social media. You know, we're always talking about the target effect, the target haul. I went in to buy one thing. I ended up buying 20. And there are all of these beautiful social nuggets and breadcrumbs, not even breadcrumbs, kind of bricks, that the guest is leaving for us, which is saying, here are all the ways that we show our love of you. And so now we're starting to play around with, well, what can we take of what the guest is giving us in terms of kind of social currency And how can we pull that into marketing without ever crossing the line of you get to say it as a guest, we don't get to say it as a brand. And so our campaign that we're running right now is a wink to Target, which is something that, you know, our guests gave us going all the way back to the 60s. They've been calling us Target. But it is especially loud when you, now that social is around. I mean, everybody, all of our guests are talking about it all the time. And so we have a commercial that kind of shows where we went to on that line without ever really saying it. And that accent mark never stays there. And you go, did I just see that? (laughs) And what's cool about that is we have our social teams manning the keyboards, manning our channels, and waiting for a guest to call out. Did you just say Target without saying it? And so we're there, and we're ready to just keep fueling that conversation. And the newer thing for us, too, is we're not time-boxing a campaign. This is a conversation that we're fueling with television, but we're following all the way through with how we're manning our social channels. Knowing this conversation isn't going to end, it's something that we need to be there to continue to have with our guests for as long as they want to. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, um, we've got a series of questions. We'll get to those in just a minute. One more question. You've got these great campaigns coming out. What's next? Where are you going to go after this? Well, what's really cool, again, about Gen Z is that they're really changing us as a company. We have things going on now like an incubator program where we're allowing uh, Gen Z guests to come in and pitch business ideas that Target will then fund. So it's becoming a way of operating for us, which is super cool. You know, I think that the other thing that we're seeing quite a bit, too, is that this audience in particular, they grew up with the cell phone in their hand, and they want to be able to buy with as few clicks as possible. So what we're really leaning in on is this idea of marketing becoming commerce and that you should be able to shop more importantly, buy from an ad unit. And so we're pushing that technology in whatever way that we can. So this blurring of marketing and commerce, I think is super interesting. And it's this generation that is really making my job far more important within the walls of Target because I'm the one that has, you know, my team is the one that has the relationship with Instagram and Pinterest and Snapchat where all of this, I want to buy it now, uh, demand is starting to show up. So we have our stores, we have Target.com, but now there's this space in between that all of uh, my partners are actually starting to fill. Nice. Well, let's take a few questions from the audience. First one is, how does a retailer today stand the online onslaught and compete with Amazon? Yeah, that's um, a big question. It is a big question. And it's a question that we can answer with confidence at this point. When Brian Cornell came on as our CEO about four years ago, he was steadfast about setting the purpose for our company, which is to bring joy to everyday life for our guests. We stay very true to that. We don't waver from that. And he also really came, you know, he was super firm with, we do us. You know, Amazon can do Amazon, we do us. And what do we do? We have this offering of incredibly interesting, inspiring, and affordable products that, you know, if you go into Target, you can buy all kinds of things that just add a little bit more joy to your day, right? That's a thing that's got a certain amount of poppy style to it. It is diapers at a great price. We kind of run the whole gamut. And so we just stay super true to who we are and what we offer and our experience for a retailer, we're, we're held up as one of the best experiences in retail that exists right now. And that we fulfill both this human need that we have to kind of go to a place and to kind of shop and browse and imagine. But we also are, you know, super great at services. So you can get in and out quick if you need to. You can buy it online and have it delivered to your home in two hours now. So we're just like, if it's a quick trip or you just want to do the discovery stroll through our aisles, you know, we're there for whatever kind of mood and task you have in the moment. Right. Good. The next question is, it seems strange to put Gen Z videos into TV commercials they will never see. (laughs) 
What's the strategy there? I think buried in that is an assumption that Gen Z doesn't watch TV. Well, it's a couple of things. First off, those aren't TV commercials or videos. And they do show up more on YouTube and Instagram than they do. They don't show up in television. We buy no TV for that audience. But they do actually watch a lot of video. It's just their favorite TV network is YouTube. And so we're just, we accommodate it that way. We follow the viewing wherever it may happen, and we make sure that the content is most relevant to wherever they're watching it. The next question is, you mentioned segmenting by generation and then by other attributes. Can you give some examples of those deeper levels of segmentation? Yeah, the deeper level of segmentation is really more by life stage. What was interesting when we set up our first big pass at segmentation is that we discovered we actually had Gen Z kind of cut apart and split and attached to their parents, actually. (laughs) So it was, you know, parents with kids of a certain age. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, there's a whole, like, interesting group of consumers that we've attached to their parents. And we really need to pull that group out and market to them in a very different way. So we do life stage. But until we can understand life stage to the place where we can personalize and really communicate appropriately, we tend to bucket them together as a generation until we get to know them better in terms of how they want to engage with us, and then they they kind of become a segment. And we're on that journey right now with Gen Z. Okay. Next one is, how are you measuring brand relevance? We do that through our regular communications brand metrics. We use Communicus as the primary source that we use right now. And we actually look at campaign by campaign or I guess communication group by communication group. What, uh, how are we driving relevance? Does our target run and done body of work drive relevance more than our, what we call our target style, which was the Target stuff that I just showed. So we're always analyzing of all the different marketing programs we put out into the world, which ones are resonating the most, how do they work individually and how do they work together? The next question is, I guess, with many different segments and generations that you're trying to serve, do you, are you concerned at all at alienating your core consumer base? Yeah. No. Because we try to really drive relevance the right way to all of those groups. We're a massive business. We have the bulk of the 80% of the U.S. population lives within 10 miles of our stores. And we really drive the bulk of consumers through our doors every day. We are super clear on keeping them separate so that they feel like they're being talked to personally versus alienating. And, you know, certainly there are times that any brand does something that alienates somebody. But that's never our intent to do that. We actually believe that there's a way that we can serve our primary consumer groups in a very discreet and relevant sort of way. Similar but different take on this is how are you managing the risk that your loyal audience may not like this raw look? Yeah. I know one thing is just choice of medium or mm-hmm. where you place them. Very much so. Very much so. And our, the, our primary audiences aren't on Instagram as much as this is Gen Z is. And they're not on YouTube other than, you know, finding that how-to video when something breaks in the house. And so really the targeting is a key piece of what we do to make sure that we do keep those messages separate. And was that also when you created the new target tag channel, if you will, was that part of that strategy? It absolutely was. And what's interesting too, and we've been watching to watch, to understand the audiences that are starting to follow. So we have target 
target style, and target tag as our three primary handles. And we're always watching to see what kind of overlap we get. And we, you, we get a lot of overlap between target and target style, but we don't get a lot of overlap between target tag and the other two. And so we really are doing a reasonably good job of keeping the swim lanes separate. Good. So there's a little bit of a compliment here. Target's done such a great job being relevant to Gen Z without alienating boomers and millennials. What do you think this is owed to? I think that there are a couple of things. The first is that the brand, part of our ethos is this inclusivity. And so we don't, we never go after one audience group at the expense of the other. Like nobody's a winner and nobody's a loser. It's everyone is welcome which I think is a key piece of it. But the, when you get into the kind of the mechanics of how we do this, it's about the targeting. We have really sophisticated targeting and audience capabilities. We also work very closely with the social platforms in particular to make sure that the way that we're targeting the audiences is, is locked down and tight as we need it to be. So thank you for the compliment to whoever typed that in. <laughs> so- there was one question, I'm not sure exactly, because I was curious about this as well. It's around the influencers. One, another compliment, loving the strategy and content from someone in the audience. How are you managing these influencers? Is that mm-hmm. done in-house or are you working with a partner? That has actually, I'm glad someone asked that because it's been this super interesting journey that we've been on. And we used to hire third parties to, through which we executed all of our influencer programs. And the more that we were looking at, we were measuring it through our measurement tools, and we weren't seeing really great ROI. So we started to unpack what was going on with that. And what we were discovering is that we weren't able to build a direct relationship with the influencer. So did they need to get into a store so that they could shoot in the aisles? Well, we can facilitate that if we know that that's what they need. Do they need access to product? We can get it to them fast. But we're also discovering that who's making the money? in that relationship and making sure that we're, our funding is actually going to the person that matters the most in that relationship. And so we, what we've done is we have created our own stable of influencers. We have direct relationships with them. We kind of rotate influencers in and out depending on, you know, do we still fit their brand story? And sometimes, you know, we kind of go through phases with them where we're a big part of how they naturally present themselves. And then there are moments where there isn't as much synergy. So we'll kind of, we just are constantly pruning it, growing it, shrinking it, whatever is the right thing to do. And those, as a result of that, the influencer marketing programs that we're doing are actually becoming some of our highest return on ad spend in the way that we're measuring things. So it's an incredibly important channel for us. And these relationships are really important. Wow. A couple more questions. I think the question here is, do you create content yourselves in-house and how much content are you creating in-house if you are? Yeah, we're not, I'll start by saying we're not creating enough content, period. We do have two primary creative agencies on our roster and then we also have a very large creative department in-house. And then on top of that, we still don't have enough assets to do all the targeting that we potentially could. So we kind, what we do is we have kind of our primary agencies, and then Target Creative. And then we have other agencies that we pull in and out depending on what the project is. And then how do you personalize or humanize the connection at scale between Target and your consumer? Yeah. That's got to be difficult given how your scale. Yeah. The way that we like to talk about it is math and magic. So if we ever have the... If those ever get out of balance, you can tell. Like we, I'll be sitting in meetings and someone will say, the model says we should do this. And I'm like, well, the model isn't 
The model is directional. Our models measure short-term sales. They don't measure all sales, and they don't look at brand long-term brand health. And so we're constantly having to make sure that our machines don't take over where the humans need to be. And so we are constantly kind of playing with that toggling back and forth between this need to personalize, and which to me also means there's a lot of data and math and automation that goes along with this, and then this need to humanize too. So we're really good when you get a personalized message from us that where you feel like a friend is talking to you. That's when we're doing it really well. And we are able, we really have our communication set into three big buckets. We have really broad, then we have kind of this middle layer that is kind of smaller groups of communications going to smaller groups of guests, but still not one-to-one. And then we have one-to-one underneath that. And our one-to-one personalized messaging to you should feel very much like we know as much as you want us to know about you and that we're returning that back to you in groups of products that you're interested in, as well as different ways that you want to shop us. I think we've got time for one more question. How is your department structured? And I think they were talking about the larger marketing organization Mm -hmm. overall. Does each brand have its own marketing team? Yeah, each brand does not. We actually tend to do it a little bit more by categories, but we're actually shifting to organizing around groups of guests. The key for a retailer is that you have merchants that really do go out and develop. They buy the goods, they buy national brands, but they also design our own owned brands. And there are lots of economies of scale and reasons why a retailer needs to do that, right? They need to go negotiate for goods and everything else. So we're the part of the organization where we pivot from being about categories and goods to being about the guest and what does the guest need. So how do we start to aggregate our products together both national brands, so think Procter & Gamble, as well as our own brand, so a lot of the apparel that we carry. How do we aggregate those together in a suite of products that motivate each of you to come into Target one, two, three more times per year? So that's a big part of what, how marketing is thinking. So we are starting to pivot around guests, and then we have a creative group. We have a, a category marketing group. We have the media group. We are in the publishing business as well. That also sits under the media group. And then we have community relations. We have PR. And we have all of our in-store and kind of weekly promo group as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It's been nice to get behind the hood a little bit. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. and You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.